Hi, I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Wow, thank you, Father. Ah, some of you are standing because you know. Those of you that sat either forgot or don't know better, stand up. Everybody should be standing. <laughs> Just welcome the Father right now. I like it when people ask me, why do you invite the Holy Spirit? He's been here the whole time. Because there's more of him available. So Holy Spirit, come. And actually, I felt like it's beyond that this morning. I felt like Father, come. Your tangible presence is amazing, but Father, come today. Okay, we'll be here for about 45 minutes and then I'll release you. Wow. Mm. Thank you, Father. Go ahead and get seated. Ooh. So we'll see what happens this morning. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to share more out of a conviction over the last few weeks that God has done in my heart. And it's been, I've shared it with a few people, and those that I've shared it with have actually said, oh, wow, I needed to hear that. And it let me know that this is something that I feel like we all need to actually hear. So you get to be, you get to benefit from my convictions <laughs> and what God's doing in my life right now. I got messed up during worship because of that last song. Wow. Wow. So before we moved here, God put a vision on my heart, and I had a clear vision of newspapers all around the world opening up, and the headline said, fatherlessness broken off of a city. Austin is a city of fathers. And I thought, oh, wow, how is that even possible that that, that could be true? And God began to stir this, this thing for seeing men restored and seeing fathers actually restored and step into their fulfillment and men actually being fulfilled in the design that God's called them to be. And over the years, it just started welling up inside of me and developing. And then uh, probably about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I felt like God put a call on my life, the mandate, a movement inside of me for men that it wasn't just a good idea. It wasn't something to just pray into. It was something to apprehend. It was something to pursue. I actually felt like my life had never had more purpose than when that got put inside my heart. 
How many of you have ever received a prophetic word or God's spoken to you and you knew, okay, right now in this season, that's what I'm about. That's what God's doing in my life. Has anybody else had something like that happen? If you haven't, let's do that today. Because if you don't know what you're called to do, you're not doing anything. And if you have no target, you'll end up hitting something. But what's God put inside you? What's God actually saying, this is what I've designed you for? And it may not be your ultimate life purpose, but it's the purpose in this season. Now this sounds amazing so far. And then Chris Valden was here three weeks ago speaking. And people about two months ago sent me links to a message that he preached in Reading on, on fathering and men being restored and the fathers being restored. And people sent it to me and saying, this is for you because they know the call that's on my life. I've been verbal about this is what God's told me to do with my life. Still sounds awesome. And then in the middle of him speaking, God whispered a sentence, and when he did, conviction came in every direction possible. And I don't mean condemnation, I don't mean guilt, I mean the conviction of God. The beautiful thing that takes me out of being stagnant to moving. And he said, I put a movement in you and it's not on your calendar. I begin to ask myself, what's taking up my time? Do I actually believe what God said I'm made for? Do I love him enough to do something about it? Do I love me enough? Do I love the people that he's called me to enough to actually change my day to day? You know, Isaiah, it says, Isaiah 42, it says, or former things have come to pass, new things I declare. Before they spring up, I will tell you of them. How many of you have been told something by God, this is your new thing? But former things have come to pass, that means we need to change something. If God's called you to something, he's asking you to change something. Because I can't continue to do what I've been doing to step into the new thing that God's called me to. You know, in 2 Kings, there was a drought. And they, the, God said to dig the ditches before the rain and the wind would come. Why? Because he knew that if he had poured out what he had planned on pouring out without a prepared place, it would have destroyed them rather than supplied them. So if God's called you to something and you haven't dug the ditches, if you haven't changed your calendar, if you haven't scheduled something different, it will destroy you rather than supply you. There's a quote that says, show me your calendar and I'll show you what your value This is just the intro. I haven't even started the message yet. <clears throat> you know, I felt like the title of this message, which is a new thing for you, of you, those of you that 
know me and don't know me, I don't usually have titles for my message. I used to tell them, I don't know what I preached about. Just pick something. But God in the last season, this season has been giving me messages because I feel like he's actually refining me to speak something clear so that I can make an impact in the place he's called me to impact. It's called prioritizing God in a busy world. Oh, man. That song we were singing. I've been getting wrecked during worship the last few weeks especially. Just a few of the lines from it. Here is my life as a sacrifice. Man, I will live on the altar. You are worthy what you ask for. And you're searching for a heart as your reward, as, as your reward, then I am yours. I will daily live fixed on one thing. It just goes on and on and on. I've begun to ask myself recently, am I singing praise with a group of people to exalt someone that I don't believe in? And what I mean by that is if I believed in who I'm praying and worshiping, then I would actually respond with my life to what I'm singing. They can't just be words that we sing because they're listed on a screen. They have to be heartfelt things that transform us and the world around us. And this message, just what's been on my heart lately, it's like, is my life a complete sacrifice? Have I actually put myself on the altar? Have I done the things in my schedule? Am I intentional enough to change things so that I'm ready to be used as he's called me to be used? You guys all right? This is going to be an interesting comment, so please hear out everything before you start tweeting how crazy I am. The enemy, you all know you have an enemy, right? Well, about 12 of you. That's great. Okay. In the beginning, no, the enemy will give you a version of the fruit of your calling to keep you from being connected to God. See, sometimes we think the enemy is completely against us in a directly opposing way. The reality is he will sometimes bless you to prevent you from being connected. Look at the temptation of Jesus. The third temptation, he said, I will give you all of the world. Jesus already had it. It was already his. But the enemy said, I will give all of this to you if you'll bow down and worship me. So if you'll disconnect from the one who actually has already given you everything that you needed, if you'll step away from that, I'll give you everything he promised. But it's a version of. It's never the fulfillment of. And if he can't disconnect you from God, he'll make you so busy that you may not even have time for him. Because see, the enemy is probably less a direct attack person as he is a let's get you off course person. All of us have been called. All of us have been called. If you right now can't say this is what God's called me to do, 
it's not because he hasn't called you, it's because you may not have heard or you may not be aware. And that's not saying you're wrong, it's just saying let's turn up our awareness. Let's actually hear what God's saying. Let's actually believe that the words we receive that seem completely out of scope actually could be true. Because the reality is, is I have faced many times the idea that God's put a movement for men across this planet inside of me. Who am I, God? There's so many better men. There's so many more men that are already five, six, ten years ahead in this move that you're calling me to. They're already doing it. Can't I just come and gird them up and support them? No. He's put it in me. I've got a purpose. Some of you have been told to do something. You've been given a call. You've been given a mandate. And your, your heart is like, yes. And then everything else about you is like, oh, but... Because we measure our capacity to fulfill God from our experience and what we know about ourselves. The challenge is, is that so does he. He calls you because he knows your experiences, but he knows what you're made of. He knows who you're designed by. He knows the fulfillment and the call and the plan that he had from the beginning. And that's the only reason he would ever call you into something. is because he already knows you have everything necessary to get there. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Every one of you, who in here is saved? You know, that's one of the few times I've gotten almost every hand up. This is awesome. This is awesome. All right, yeah, I know. Those of you that aren't, come on up. Take care of this right now. If you're saved, if you're surrendered, you're anointed. You don't have to have a certain experience to be anointed. You are anointed. He's called you redeemed. You have been anointed. But you can't just be called. You can't just be anointed. You have to be available. There's a quote that says, you get to decide where your time goes. You can either spend it moving forward or you can spend it putting out fires. You decide. And if you don't decide, others will decide for you. If you're tired, if you're exhausted, how many of you kind of, especially in this last season, have been tired and exhausted? I think there's a few of us that could put our hands up for a lot of you. Or you're actually not even able to find time to do the things that God's asked you to do. It's because you've probably taken on some things you weren't supposed to. And oftentimes it's other people's commitments, other people's responsibilities, other people's problems. You've taken on for others. And there's this fine line that we always have to tread. It's like we should be there for people. We should, we should be in community. We should be there for one another. Like, does everybody understand that? We agree with that? We should not be doing this alone at all. If you're out there isolated doing it alone, you're actually following the pattern of the world, not the pattern of God. But people may ask you just for a few minutes, hey, do you have a few minutes? Hey, could you help me with this one little thing? 
You have to know when you're supposed to say yes and when you're supposed to say no. Do you know the, the best way to be able to say no is to know what your yes is? Because if you're not sure about your yes, you'll take anything that comes thinking you're fulfilling it. I'm supposed to lead people, but I don't know what that means. So if anyone comes and asks for my time, that must be God. Not necessarily. Because if, I, I, just thinking in this room, if I were to give just every one of you just a couple of minutes of my time, I'd have no time. I'd be consumed by caring for what you need and your commitments and your desires and your life more than what he's put on mine. Does that mean I'm never available? No. This is where having discernment and hearing from the Lord and actually owning your schedule enough to have time for people. You know, in Exodus 18, Moses they had just come out of Egypt and Moses is with his father-in-law Jethro and Moses is spending the whole day, all of the Israelites are coming and he's taking care of all their needs. He's judging all of the issues. And he says, Moses' father-in-law said, the thing that you do is not good because you and these people who you were with will surely wear yourselves out for this is too much for you. He goes on to give him wisdom on how he should do things to where he's not responsible for everything. He's responsible for that which he's supposed to be. Sometimes you won't know that you've done too much until you've run out of you. And then, then you start spending your time just trying to find yourself, getting back to who am I? reestablishing boundaries. Instead of actually pursuing the call that he's told you to, you're trying to just find yourself. Which if you think about where the world is directing us, it's like, find yourself. It's all about you. Because we've already allowed ourselves to get drawn out so far that that seems to make sense. But I want to die to myself. And I want to find what he's called me to. Is this too heavy? We need to be intentional with our lives. Here's the reality. You're always doing something. You're either doing it proactively or reactively. <laughs> Sometimes you're doing it accidentally. <laughs> but you're always doing something. Intention is an awareness of purpose that guides our words and actions. When we are intentional, we use our time and resources thoughtfully. Intention is living every day, even every moment, with a sense of choice and purpose. There's a quote that says, the essence of self-discipline is to do the important thing rather than the urgent thing. See, it's easy to be consumed by all of the urgencies that are coming around our lives, the fires that are there. I, I don't want, I, this isn't to say this is a bad career. I didn't decide to be a fireman. I don't want to put out fires. 
I don't want my job to be walking around making sure that everything's just okay. I actually want to be intentional to say, no, things aren't going to be just okay. They're going to be fulfilled. They're going to be what God said to do. It means being consistently conscious of how the present moment relates to our values and our goals. I have to intentionally decide that his purpose is a priority over everything else. I've had this discussion with Papa Jim. I remember for a long time I thought, oh gosh, being a Christian would be so restrictive. Anybody else ever thought that? I, I remember thinking, oh gosh, being a Christian, being a, I won't be able to do anything fun. Wow, was I wrong. See, the reality is that fun, in a worldly sense, is actually wasteful. Fun, in a kingdom sense, is fulfillment. When I step into what he's called me to do, I actually have more joy and more enjoyment in my life than when I'm doing anything else. And the reality is, is you'll begin to find that the things that you once thought were fun are still fun, but in a different perspective. Because they're coming out of the overflow of joy of fulfillment rather than trying to occupy something and almost it's a coping mechanism because I don't have purpose, I'm not doing anything, so I need to go have fun to feel fulfilled. The reality is it's not real. When you're fulfilled in Christ, you overflow, and now those things that you once did for the wrong purpose become enjoyment, true enjoyment. And it's the overflow of the fulfillment of God in your life. We have to measure, we will have to measure the, the amount of promise that we are willing to jealously guard. If he's promised something to you, are you guarding that? Has it become important enough that you're protecting it? That it's not something you put on the shelf and think, oh, if he wants it, he'll do it. He doesn't want robots, he wants partners. We must place the presence and promise of God in our non-negotiable column. If you're in a marriage, if you're in a healthy marriage, you're prioritizing your family. You're prioritizing your spouse. Does everybody agree with that? Yeah. All the healthy married people said yes. All the single people said, really? <laughs> you prioritize your spouse. Why? That's what creates health. It's important enough to protect you put time towards it because without doing that, it won't become healthy. So here's the good news, and honestly, this is a little bit off of, we've heard this preached in the last few weeks, but Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 
Do you believe that what God called you to is actually a reflection of the kingdom? Or is it just something you thought you should do today? Do I believe that the call of God on my life is actually a reflection of what heaven's design was for me? Or do I think he's just trying to keep me busy until I'm done? If I believe that the call of God on my life is a reflection of the kingdom and brings purpose to the kingdom, I'll approach it differently than if I think I'm just being busy for God. How many of you love Solomon? How many of you know who Solomon is? Three people said yes, so. He's not the guy that has a food truck downtown. This is talking Bible right now. Side note on this. I love reading about Solomon in this way. How many of you have ever heard the word talked about? It's like, oh, Solomon prayed for wisdom and because of that, he was the wisest man. How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, how many of you were saved? I'm just making sure the arms work. <laughs> Solomon was the wisest man. Why? Because he asked for wisdom. He didn't actually ask for wisdom. He asked for a discerning ear so that he could have an ear to hear, which is telling us that wisdom actually comes from hearing. But what I love is that if you read the story, Solomon was actually asleep. I want to have a life that's so surrendered and dedicated to God that I can respond properly in my sleep. That when God comes and asks me a question in my sleep, I'm so aware of him that I can still respond correctly. The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. It goes on to say, so give your, Solomon says, so give your discerning and discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. I don't know about you. I think in my dreams right now, I'd probably ask for something different. Just being real. I honestly have thought about this quite a bit. If God were to say, give me anything you want, I know the right answer is wisdom because we've read it. But I'd be like, give me the resources to do everything you've called me to do. I mean, how many of you have ever thought that? If God said whatever you want, it'd be like, oh, if you gave me unlimited resources, I could accomplish everything you've asked me to do. Goes on, and the Lord was pleased and said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for a life, a long life for yourself or asked for riches for yourself, <laughs> nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, and I have also given you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about the other things. When your priorities are right and your prayers are kingdom prayers, there's an overflow on the things you won't pray about and you don't ask for. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. 
we've all been designed that our heart craves God. Regardless of what you allow to come out of your mind, regardless of what you allow to come out of your mouth sometimes, you were designed to desire God. So your heart's delight will always be him. So when we delight ourselves in him, he gives us those desires. But each one of us is created individually and we all have areas of our life that he wants to see us pleased and used. Some are in business, some are in ministry, full-time. some are in sports, some are in art, some are in family. And you'll find the greatest fulfillment when you're actually doing his work, focused on him, you'll find the greatest delight and pleasure in all of these other things. When God spoke that to me during that service, my next work day was on Tuesday. And I asked Ann Evans, she's, she helps me with my schedule. She's phenomenal. How many of you guys know Ann Evans? She is an amazing person. But I told her, I said, all right, outside of meetings I have to be in and outside of meetings that I have scheduled and I gave her some def defin definitions around it, I said, cancel everything. Put it, take everything off my calendar. I need to see my calendar clear so I can prioritize my calendar for the call of God on my life. I've changed my sleep schedule a little again because I know, wow. <laughs> I guess that was the right thing to do. All right, everybody needs to adjust their sleep schedule and the, the chimes of heaven will come when you... I'm wired a little different than a lot of people. I don't need a lot of sleep. I had a doctor once tell me, he did research enough and he said, you're like 3% of the population. You actually shouldn't sleep over six to eight hours. I actually love four to six hours of sleep. That's my sweet spot. Sorry. <laughs> you can tell the ones that aren't designed like that, it sounds sinful to them. But I've allowed myself to get comfortable sleeping six, eight hours. I've allowed myself to get there. Why? Because I wasn't intentional enough with my time or my calling to schedule something different. So I've cut back my time in bed. Why? Because I have things I'm called to do. I'm changing my calendar at work. Why? Because I have things I'm called to do. I'm adjusting some of my extracurricular activities outside of work because I have something I'm called to do. Do I feel like I'm lacking now because I've changed those things? No, I'm actually enjoying those things more because it's the overflow of the call that provides the delight in the things that I decide to do. I want you to take away from this not a conviction for yourself, but permission to change your life. Permission to actually adjust your schedule. Now here's the hard part. 
you're going to hurt and disappoint some people in this process. Because you've allowed yourself to give of yourself time to people that weren't supposed to have it. I met with a solid group of men on a rotating basis. My calendar was not full, but I had a lot of men. So here's the thing. God said, I'm calling you to fathering. I'm calling you to men. So I thought, I'm doing the right thing. I'm meeting with men. This is exactly what I'm supposed to do. But God reminded me he's called me to a movement, not a few. So I had to have a conversation with those men, and none of them have had an ill heart towards this, but I've had to have a conversation and say, I've actually done you and I a disservice by allowing myself to be busy with you. I'm still accessible, but I'm not scheduling you on a regular basis to fill up space that takes away from what God's called me to do. I was scared to go into those conversations. I'm like, I've committed to these men to be there. And the one that's saying, I'm called to men, I'm called to father, and I'm doing it, and then saying, I'm gonna step away from that. Those were scary conversations. How many of you have been nervous to talk to people that you love because you're changing the dynamics of your relationship? But if you're doing it for God, there will be grace, there will be mercy. Now, sometimes we're going to face hard conversations, but the joy of the Lord will be your strength in those. Knowing that you're stepping into the design and into the calling will provide you all of the boldness you need to make changes. I love quotes, sorry. It's another quote by an author. It's an unknown author. This is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or I can use it for good. What I do today is important because I'm exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever, leaving in its place something that I have traded for it. I want it to be gain not loss, good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not regret the price that I paid for it. We will do so much to protect our money, to protect our things. We will prioritize our lives to protect tangible objects. But the reality is those will go away and they can be replaced. Time can't. When you have a lesser value of your time than you do of all of these other things, you're not actually having the right perspective of the gift that you have with time. And you guys have probably, a lot of you have heard these things. There's 20, we all have the same amount of time in a day. Some people will do a lot with it, some won't. I didn't pull up the statistics because they were disgusting. I didn't, I didn't print them out because they were disgusting. I don't even want to give them to you, but it, there's so many statistics on how time is used by the average, well, by the average person and then the average American, and then I really got disgusted. <laughs> the amount of time on TV, social media, 
and social activities is 38% of our day. I didn't believe it. I thought that's not possible. There's no way that more than a third of my day is used in those three areas. So I looked up about 12 other websites to confirm it. The lowest number I saw was 32%. The average American, the average. I would say reality is probably in the church world, that's a little less, except for social media, because y'all have problems. Um, <laughs> just kidding. No, I'm not. <clears throat> the largest amount of time that a person spends in a day is sleeping. The next largest, when you collect them into buckets of time, is our social, I, I actually call it useless time. It's the TV, social media. It's the things that we occupy ourselves. Work was third in that bucket. And then time spent with family and those that were important. In other words, the ones that we should be was actually seventh on the list. Because we've become such a reactive society. Whatever comes at us, I'm going to deal with today. And we actually hold it up as a badge of honor like, I'm busy and successful. No, you're off task and you're actually, well, I don't want to say certain things, but you're fooled by thinking success is being busy. We will prioritize money over time most of the times in our lives. It's just reality. How do you know that? Because what do you trade for your time? Or what do you trade to get money? Your time. And a lot of people will trade more of it to get more of it. But talk to 90% of anyone on their deathbed that has enough money to never worry about money. They'll always tell you they regretted not having more time or not spending their time differently when they had it. Why don't you guys stand? My prayer is that you're able to take an honest look at your calendar and be brave enough to make a change. Can I go ahead and have the worship team come on up? There's no one in here, I don't want to say that, there is probably no one in here that actually has their calendar so set on the call of God on their lives that they don't need to make a change. There are some practical tools that people can use for time management, for prioritizing. But the most practical tool you have is the word of God and the relationship with him. Just go to him and ask, God, what is preventing me from stepping into what you've called me to do? Now, 
couple weeks ago I preached on community. Here's something you need to understand. You have to have people in your life that you're walking with and have permission to help you discern if you're hearing well. Because I've known people that have like gotten so focused on God, they're so into the spirit that they're not hearing his voice. And they ask a question and then something ridiculous comes and they're like, well, it must be God. It's those voices in our lives that say, actually, I don't think that's God. Because the people that are in your life that are trying to see you fulfill who you were designed to be are always gonna give you guidance to get there. So make sure you have people in your lives that you're able to use to help with the discerning of what God's gonna challenge you to do. And then take this week. Take this week. I, I, I ask you, I challenge you, I command you, whatever I need to do. Take this week and spend time with the Father and say, God, what is it that I have on my schedule that's preventing me from what you want from my life? And start to make a list and start to pray into, okay, God, give me the wisdom and the boldness to change these things. And bring people into your lives and say, this is what I feel God's saying. He's saying that I need to change this. Some of you, it may be course correction. Some of you, it may be getting off that road and getting on a different one. But whatever you end up doing, do it for him. Do it for yourselves. Do it for the people that he's called you to. I don't wanna finish this life and say, I did a great job being busy, reacting to everything that came my way. And I did it for you, God. We sometimes find security in saying, but God, I'm doing it for you. I had a pastor once that told me a line, and I, I love this line, it's funny, and he says, don't make Jesus a sandwich you didn't order. It's such a simple statement, but it's like, don't do something for God if he didn't ask you to do it. If he's asked you to do something and you're doing something else, but you're doing it for him, is that really doing it for him? It's probably doing it for yourself to feel like you're fulfilling something for him. But when he's given you something to do, do that. And when he gives you something to do, you'll probably feel like you don't think you can quite do it. And then when you finally get to where you're doing it, he's gonna give you something else. And it's gonna feel like, there's no way. Don't let last week's, last month's, last year's blessing and fulfillment hinder you from the next thing that he's asking you to do. Because sometimes we're like, well, God asked me to do this, so this is what I do. And he's saying, yeah, but I want you to move to this thing now. And you're like, but I did what you want me to do. I'm fulfilling the call of God in my life. No, you're fulfilling an old call that was a step to get who he actually designed you to be. Because there's a process to our lives. I hope you guys are hearing my heart in this. I've had to make adjustments because I knew 
I wasn't doing what God asked me to do. I was being distracted by the things that look like me. So I've had to make a change. So put your hand on your heart. Father, I just pray that every one of us that are hearing this, God, would also hear your voice clearly, that we would be brave enough, God, to look at our calendars, look at our schedules, and brave enough to ask you, what do I need to let go of, God? Father, I pray that you would bring the boldness and the joy of making hard decisions that can bring us into the fulfillment of what you're calling us to do, God. And Father, I pray that every person here would radically begin to clearly see and discern what they're called to do. That it wouldn't be, I think I might, this could be, it's a radical, clear call of God on their lives. Yeah, God, and we just surrender to you. We surrender. There's nothing I have, there's nothing I want that's more important than you. And I surrender it. I give it to you, God. I, I put myself on the altar. I give you everything that I am, Father. What I wanna do is I wanna actually open up the altars for two different types of people right now. I'd asked earlier, how many of you know what the call of God is on your life? Some of you didn't raise your hand. It may be because your arms are tired, but some of you may not actually know what God's called you to do. Some of you may be wondering, I, I don't know if I've ever had a clear word from God saying, this is my purpose. If that's you, in a moment I want you to come up and I want our team to be able to pray with you and partner with you and give you hope and give you just purpose to look at. But I also wanna open the altars for those of you that this message has actually stirred something in you. That that line that God said to me, I put a movement in you and it's not on your calendar. Those of you that know, I'm actually wasting my time doing things that are preventing me from being where I'm supposed to be. If that's you, I want you to come up as well and we wanna pray with you about that. We wanna partner with you that God's gonna help to rearrange your schedule that you're gonna have the boldness to choose. So if either of those were you, if you just want clear direction from God, or you know that your calendar is out of order, that you have put things in your life that are preventing you from being where you're supposed to be, I want you guys to just come on up to the altar. And we're gonna spend a couple minutes, and we're gonna let the worship team just sing over us, but our ministry team will begin to come around and they will begin to pray with you and partner with you. Thank you so much for letting me process my convictions with you this morning. I love you guys. I know what God's calling us to, and I'm excited for where he's taking us. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.